that music. What do you think, groups? Huh? You like that? I do too, yeah. So good morning and welcome to Metro Believers Church. We're delighted that you have chosen to come our way. Hey, if this is your first time here, um, we'd, love, we'd love for you to check us out. And uh, we have a free gift for you at our, our info center. You just stop by there on your way out. We'd love to bless you with a, a free gift. If you're looking for a church home, hey, this is a, this is a great place. There's a lot of great churches in the city. Um, but we just uh, would welcome you here as well. We'd love to have you. Hey, if you don't have one of our outlines, slip up your hand and our ushers will get you one. Um, if, you're, if you're new to NBC, these are just uh, kind of little half sheet notes, a um, few blanks in there that you can kind of keep up with uh, what I share and some scriptures that might help you uh, throughout the week. Um, we are in part one of a brand new series called Marriage Secrets. And uh, we finished up family uh, life last week, and now we're into, for the next four weeks or so, into marriage secrets. And uh, we are going to be talking about some of the secrets that Vicki and I have learned over the past 12 years, or 43 years, I should say. <laughs> yeah, we've we just started to figure it out over the last 12. <laughs> no. But hey, I do want to mention, uh, as Vicki had said, that tonight is a very special night here at NBC. It is our prayer night. We, first Sunday of every month, we gather together for corporate prayer and uh, trust the Lord together. And I just want to encourage you to come on out um, just right down the street over across the street from Outback Steakhouse. Um, so just uh, really encourage you to come join us. Uh, there's a verse that I wanted to share with you real quick about prayer. As a matter of fact, just so you know, when we finish up um, this series on marriage secrets, we're going to, over, during the fall here, we're gonna, our next series is going to be um, just sort of learning how to communicate with God, learning how to have that conversation with God. It's, uh, most people call it prayer, um, but I call it just spending time with our Father, Okay. And so that's the next series that we're going to actually be getting to uh, after this series is finished. But this verse in James is a very special verse to me. Um, James chapter 5, verse 13 and 16, or 13 through 16. It's not in your notes. Um, it says, is anyone among you in trouble? Good question. Some of you may be in trouble right now. Is any, let him pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is anyone of you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they've sinned, they'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you might be healed. And then this last part of this verse is so powerful. The prayer of a righteous person. Now, we all know that in our own self, we're not righteous, right? We, but we are the righteousness of God in Christ. Amen? And so we can insert ourselves there because of what he did, right? And so that includes you, the prayer of Dave Hansen, right? The prayer of Josh uh, Rates, the prayer of, you know, John Petrie. Um, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful, Everyone say that, powerful and effective. So what do you say you come out and pray with us tonight? <laughs> we'll be praying for you, we'll be praying for the city, we'll be praying for the state, we'll be praying for our country, and we'll be praying for the world, okay? So why don't you just come out at 6.30 uh, real quick, we'll pray together and trust God together. Um, do want to welcome our live stream audience, as Vicki had said. Thanks for joining us today. I know lots of people travel and they're not around right now, so thanks for coming. Thanks for being a part of us. Let's get started today. Let's talk about some of the things over the last several weeks. We talked about family life. We talked about, you know, raising kids. I talked about that the first week and Lance talked about it the third week. Uh, we talked about raising kids and we talked about changing the marriage landscape sort of changing that complexion, perhaps, from where you have been. And as I said before, if you're single today or maybe even young teenagers, not married, um, these principles are transferable, okay? Um, and they can apply to most relationships. 
So think in terms of what that might look like for your situation and your relationships. So today I want to shift gears just a bit. I'm going to talk about the secrets that Vicki and I have discovered uh, for a great marriage. Um, today Vicki and I are going to teach together and uh, I'm bummed that we're not sitting here on stools. Um, but we are up to our eyeballs in boxes because <laughs> we're getting ready to move at the end of this week um, to another um, house down the street. And so she's been sort of consumed with that. And then, and then to top it off, she just sliced her hand. Yeah, just cutting some cheese up. She blames me for it because she says she was trying to, you know, help me and not have to do it. So she was helping me out and she sliced her hand. Uh, isn't that wonderful? <laughs> but uh, the next time that, that we talk about these secrets, um, she'll be up here with me and you can hear her share her side of the story, okay? As I mentioned before, many of you know this, uh, we've been married for 43 years, been together for 45, um, and it wasn't always this good. It uh, wasn't always the kind of relationship we have. As a matter of fact, uh, it was kind of like a woman who accompanied her husband to a doctor's appointment, and after his checkup, the doctor um, called the wife into his office, and he said, your husband is suffering from a very severe stress disorder, and if you don't follow my instructions carefully, your husband will surely die. Each morning, this is what I want you to do, fix him a healthy breakfast, be pleasant at all times. For lunch, make him a nutritious meal. For dinner, prepare an extra, especially nice meal for him. Don't burden him with any chores around the house. Don't discuss your problems at all. It'll only make his stress worse. And don't nag him. By all means, do not nag him. Most importantly, be intimate anytime he wants. If you can do this for the next 10 months or so, I think your husband will regain his health in completely. Well, on the way home, the husband leaned over to his wife and said, uh, so what did the doctor say? To which she, to which she replied, you're going to die. <laughs> so it was, it was kind of like that in the beginning of our relationship, just so you know. Over the past four decades, Vicki and I have found some simple yet profound secrets to a great marriage. And we kind of refer to them as secrets because they're not commonly known, or even if they are known, they're not practiced in marriage relationships. It's, you know, it's amazing to me that we oftentimes can treat other people better than our own spouse. Have you ever noticed that? You know, so we, you know, we're, we, we say things and do things to our own spouse that we would never do to anyone else. And, and that, how many of you know that ought not be? That our spouse ought to be the, 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 the most special person in our life, and we should treat them with more respect and honor, right? And that's what we're going to be talking about. And so um, we sort of, you know, we, we used to have all this, this whole list of stuff, and we sort of distilled them over the years to 12 secrets. Everyone say 12 secrets. 12 secrets. Um, and they may not sound real profound, but they make the difference Here's the deal. They make the difference between a poor and struggling marriage or relationship and a strong, healthy, thriving marriage. How many of you want the latter? Let me see your hands. Okay, good. So the idea, ideas are important because I believe that the church is only as strong as our homes. How many of you know that? That the church is only as strong as our homes. And here's what I found out. Strong homes make strong churches. Weak homes, you know, when you have struggling homes, struggling marriages, a husband and wife at odds with one another, fighting all the time, fighting on the way to church, fighting on the way home from church. I'm sure no one in this room has ever done that. <laughs> Anyone ever had an argument on your way to church? Let me see your hand. Yeah. Come on, honey. <clears throat> That's why we drive separately now. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, or even on the way home, you just kind of, you know, get into it a little bit. And so, and I'm not saying you have to be perfect. I'm just saying that, that you know, when that is, that consumes you. When that's, when that's really all there is, it's just one big argument 24-7. 
um, then it's hard to imagine that the church can be strong. Because if that's the way our home life is, when we come to church, it makes an impact as well. And so weak homes make weak churches. Because you can't, you can't really, you know, focus on reaching the world when your world is falling apart. And that's why Vicki and I and uh, our church is so passionate about talking about stuff like this. Because I believe it starts with who we are as a married couple even as singles, in our relationships, and how that sort of spins off into the church. And there's just something about a strong, vibrant, healthy, life-giving relationship. When you bring that context into your home church, it just strengthens the church. Amen? And so, you know, the whole idea in, in, in life and ministry is to build a strong and a healthy and a vibrant and a life-giving home. So, Our foundational passage from our last talk was found in Psalm 127, and I want to remind us of that because I think it's important as we go forward today. Um, This is out of the New Living Translation, and it says this, unless the Lord builds a house or a home or a family or a marriage, a house, the work of the builders is wasted. In other words, it's, it's just not good enough. It doesn't get the job done well. And so I found out that great marriages, and and I'll even extend it to this, great relationships are no accident. See, it's not what, you know, happens to you that makes the difference. It's how you respond to what happens to you. Amen? And you may have difficulties. You may have some real difficult situations in your marriage, and and you may feel like, you know, you've you've got a bad deal. But here's the deal. If you take that and apply God's principles to it and live it out, I believe with all my heart that that can change. I really believe it can change. And I'm convinced that God wants us to have exceptional relationships. Everyone say exceptional relationships. Think about what that looks like to you. What does an exceptional relationship look like to you? Well, I believe God wants you to have it. But here's the deal. We have to be willing to look in the mirror and be honest with ourselves and then make the necessary changes. Instead of pointing the finger at your spouse or whatever in your relationships, look in the mirror instead. Amen? And look at yourself and say, what, what am I doing that is contributing to this situation? And what can I change? Be honest enough. Say, God, what can I change in my life to change the situation? So let's get started today. The first secret that Vicki and I have learned over the years is a simple secret, and that's just this. Don't be the center of your universe. Don't be the center of your universe. And let me say this. Don't be a spouse-centered marriage. Don't, in other words, it's just you and your spouse, you and your spouse. That's all there is. That's all there is. Instead, make a choice, and Vicki and I found this out years ago, make a choice to be a God-centered marriage. How many of you know there's a big difference there? Amen. Between a spouse-centered marriage and a God-centered marriage, Ecclesiastes talks about partnership and being together. Look at this verse, or these verses. It's better to have a partner than go it alone. It's better to have a Vicki Smith for Glenn Smith. How many of you know the Bible says it's not good for man to be alone, right? I'll make him a Vicki Smith. It's not good for Glenn to be alone. Chances are, if I was by myself and on my own and alone, I, I probably wouldn't be here today. Um, but he made a Vicki Smith for me, amen? And he made so-and-so for you, okay? And so it says it's better to have a partner than to go it alone. Share the work, share the wealth. If one falls down, the other helps. And I can't tell you how often this has happened in our marriage over 43 years. One falls down, a situation happens, you know, she cuts herself with a knife cutting cheese, you know. I get, I get the opportunity to be there for her, right? And pour powder on it and stop it from bleeding and tape it up. Uh, when one falls down, you know, the other one helps pick them up. But if there's no one to help, look at this, look at this translation out of the message. Tough! <laughs> a 
That's funny. If one falls down and he doesn't have someone to help, tough. Two in a bed, or, two in a bed warm each other. Alone, you shiver all night. By yourself, you're unprotected. I just want to get, challenge you to get the imagery here, the visuals of the text. You know, by, by yourself, you're unprotected. But with a friend, and you'll find out in the weeks ahead, with your friend, with your best friend, with your friend, you can face the what? Worst. You can fa- Vicky and I have faced a lot of stuff together, a lot of horrible things together. But with her, with me and her, we can face the worst. And it goes on to say, can you round up a third? In other words, it's good to have a partner. It's good to have this going on, the, the, the spouse marriage. But it, there's something more important. And can you round up a third? A three-stranded rope isn't easily snapped. In other words, take it beyond just you and her. Take it beyond just you and him. See, you, what, is it, what does that mean? A three-stranded rope isn't easily snapped. See, it's you your spouse and God equals a three-stranded cord. Wow. And how many of you know that's not easily broken? See, when you do it God's way instead of your way, and you really make him the center of your universe instead of yourselves, then there's something strong, and it's not easily snapped, right? It's not easily snapped. See, the God-centered marriage is a powerful foundation on which to build a healthy marriage. Strong foundation. When God is in the center of our marriages, we love and we serve our spouse out of reverence for him, not because of how our spouse is acting at the moment. Does that make sense to you? It's, it's out of reverence for him, see? I, in other words, I defer to the fact that I, I reverence God. I revere him and I respect him and I honor him and because I do that, I treat her like God wants me to, regardless of how she's acting. That's what it means when we make God the center of our universe. Amen? It mean, that means you build your life and your marriage on God's principle and, his script, and the scriptures. It's not based on how you feel. It's based on how you, you know, what the word says. It's not based on how you were raised. How many of you know you will respond in your marriage the way you were raised unless, everyone say unless, unless you make an intentional change by the power of the Holy Spirit? I have had so many people that I've counseled with over the years that that have said, I hate the way my mother did this. I hate the way my father did this. But yet I find myself acting just like that. Even though I hate it, I hate it. Why? Because you have, to, you have to understand it first. Then you have to trust the Lord to reverse the curse. Amen? Amen? And you have to be intentional about putting that in motion, accepting what God's plan is for our lives through the Scripture, and say, God, with, with my own strength and power, I can't do it. But with your power, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So, so you have to do that in order to see that. What, what would happen if we live by how we feel? If we just went by how we feel? If you got up and you didn't feel like going to work or like Vicky said, you didn't want to go to church, you wouldn't have a job, right? Right? You don't go by how you feel in most situations, so don't go by how you feel in your marriage because you'll suffer consequences as a result of that. So you've heard me say this if you've been around Metro Believers Church very long. Build your life on principles, not emotions. Build your life on principles, not emotion. The principles of the scripture will literally change your life. Why? Because I call this God's blueprint. This is God's blueprint for a successful life and a successful marriage. Well, what does that mean to build your life on principles and not emotion? That means simply this. When God says, do this, you do it. And when God says, don't do this in, in scripture, don't do it. Don't do it, right? And every time something happens in our marriage in our, or in our life, we have a choice to make. Everyone say a choice. We have a choice to make. 
Are we going to handle it my way? Or are we going to handle it God's way? Every one of you have a choice throughout your day. Are you going to handle it God's way or are you going to handle it your way? Are you going to do your own thing? Or are you going to defer? Everyone say defer. You're going to defer to him. You're going to defer to what God says and what he thinks and his ways. You know, his ways are not our ways, the scripture says, but they can be. Did you hear me? They can be. Listen to this verse in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And, and, and don't lean under your own understanding. No, not, in other words, not your way, but God's way. And all your ways, acknowledge him and what? He'll make your path straight. So you have a choice to make. You can, you can trust in the Lord with part of your heart, and you can lean under your own understanding if you want. God will let you. But if you want to honor the Lord and do it his way, you need to trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not under your own understanding. In other words, how, how were you raised? How do you feel? What does the word say? What does God say? What are the principles of scripture? Acknowledge him in all your ways and he'll make your what? Path straight. In all your ways. In all your ways acknowledge him. So that means that you give him the right to govern, listen to this, the right to govern your three D's. Everyone say three D's. Just three D's. Just remember that. Your disciplines, your decisions, and your direction. You give God the right to, to, to govern. In other words, the right of veto. The, the right to govern, to lead and direct your decisions, your, your disciplines, and the direction of your life. Because here's the deal, when you actually give God your marriage and live according to his word, and practice the spiritual discipline, disciplines on a daily basis, your life will be different than the norm. See, I believe that, that had Vicki and I sort of followed the trajectory of how we were raised and how we felt and the things that we were doing and the, just the way we were living our lives, that, that we're, our lives would be no different than the norm. We wouldn't even be married today. <laughs> but because we made a choice, everyone say a choice. See, this, you've got to get this. This is your choice. Because we made a choice to follow God in a different way and give God the right to govern our 3Ds. It's made a difference in our lives. Doesn't mean we're perfect. We still have our squabbles. You know, we still do our stuff, and we, but we get through it. We know how to resolve it, and we honor him in the end. Amen? All right, so let's talk about the second secret. Second secret is remember the golden rule. Like I said, these sound simple, yet profound. Remember the golden rule. Anyone know what the golden rule is? Thank you, Aggie. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. In other words, treat your spouse the way that you want them to treat you. See, God set it up this way. Whatever you want, give. Whatever, whatever you want, give it. The way to get what you want is to give it, Right? And that applies to every year of life. This is a principle of life. So remember the golden rule. Treat your spouse the way that you want to be treated. And, and, and you know, when you think about it, we want something, but we're not willing to give that. And it implodes. It's just sort of the wheels come off, so to speak. So how do you treat your spouse? I believe with honor and respect. Everyone say honor and respect. Just think about that. Think about whether or not you've been treating your spouse with honor and respect. See, honor, the definition of honor is to be highly valued and esteemed. It's a place of importance. How important is your spouse to you? Have you been placing honor on them? And respect literally means Appreciation for someone of great worth, 
the act of noticing by paying attention. Have you been paying attention? <laughs> See, it's the law of attention. You know, Adam, if Adam had been paying attention to Eve, we probably wouldn't be in the mess we're in, right? <laughs> Back in the garden. <laughs> yeah. But see, the law of attention is whatever you put your attention on, your desires will follow. And so when you put your attention on other things, oftentimes your desires go there and you end up getting yourself into trouble, see, in your relationship. It's the, called the law of attention. We're talking about honor and respect, you know, remember the golden rule. So there's three simple, let me give you these not in your notes, but you can write them down, three simple steps to, to building honor and respect in your relationship. The first, the first principle is to increase the value of your mate in your own eyes. Increase the value of your mate. Choose to highly value your mate above yourself. Imagine, Gary Smalley actually said this years and years ago, probably 30 years ago when we heard this. To, to imagine that your spouse's smile is God's autograph. Just sort of imagine, sometimes you have to do things to remind you, you know what I'm saying? I do this with prayer, I have all these prayer triggers that when something happens in life that happens on a regular basis, it reminds me to pray, see? And sometimes you have to do things in life to remind you to respond in a different way. And so he said, imagine your wife's smile or your spouse's smile as God's autograph. And, and what does that mean, right? So as an illustration, uh, let, me just, let me just do a little auction here to prove my point of what I'm talking about. So I have a football, okay? This one, this one is signed by me. Um, and it's was a yeah it was a, a dream team um, 2014 football that I you know we give out at our dream team banquets. It's called Pastor's Pick, and it was given to guest services. Okay, that's this one. All right. Um, and so, how many of you? Well, let me ask you this. Let's start the bidding here. Let's just do a little auction. Okay. Um, can I get five dollars for this? It's a real football. Just so you know. The football is worth more than that. Five dollars, ten dollars. Let me see your hand. All right, ten. Fifteen. Fifteen. Come on. Fifteen, 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 fifteen. I wish I could. Fifteen over here. All right. Twenty. How about twenty? Twenty back there. How about thirty? How about thirty? How about thirty over here? How about forty? How about forty over here? How about forty? Forty? Going once. Forty. Right there. Fifty. How about fifty? Sixty. How's how about sixty? How about sixty? How about sixty? Come on. Sixty, 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 sixty. Anybody sixty? 60? 60? Back there? 70. How, who give me 70? $70. $70 over here. $70 over here. $70 going once, twice. Sold. All right. You don't have to pay me for it. Okay? All right. So, yeah, you do. <laughs> My wife says, we, want, we need the money. We're moving. All right? <laughs> All right. So, this football has just a hair of a leak, okay? Um, it won't pump up. But it is signed by Reggie White. Okay? Reggie White, 1 Corinthians 13. Okay? So who will give me 100? Let me see your hand. It's signed by Reggie White. 100, 150, 2, 200, 250. Come on, Reggie White, the legend, the man, the myth, the legend, right back there. Who will give me $300 for this? 300, $300 for this. Who will give me $400 for this football? 400, 400. $400, 500, 500, 600, 600, 700, 700, 800, 900, 900, 900, once, yeah, 1,000, 1,000, 1,000, yes, 1,100, 2,000, 1,500, 2,000, going once, twice, sold, okay, oh, what, what did you get this football for back there, Cheryl? $60 versus 2000 What makes the difference? No, I was over two grand, bro. Sorry. <laughs> you just, you just make sure you got cash at the end of the service. 
All right? <laughs> what makes the difference? That's right. <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> what makes the difference? The autograph. I can't go get Reggie. The autograph. Yeah. Uh, Reggie's, Reggie's in heaven, so you can't get his autograph anymore. It's who signed it, right? Right? And listen, God signed your spouse's autograph. Did you hear me? They're valuable, they're precious, they're unique. Treat them with respect. Treat them with honor, amen? And that's what Vicki and I have learned over the years is to treat each other with honor and respect. And second, the second way you do that is honor and respect your mate by observing their best qualities. Your, their best qualities. These, this is how you do that, treat, you know, the golden rule thing, Okay. And so I, I like to encourage couples, and if you're here today and you're a couple, you have a husband or wife at home, um, I encourage you to make a list of their best qualities. Did you hear me? Not their worst. We're so often prone to do that, right? We find the faults. They're easy to find. And so I encourage couples to make a list and hold it dear to their heart of their spouse's best qualities. Let me read for you mine that I wrote for Vicki. And, and we're at this mic right here, I'm going to let my wife read hers, okay, that she wrote for me. So for me, I wrote, Vicki is a passionate, devoted follower of Christ. She's caring, she's considerate, she's committed to me and her family. Honest, benevolent, attention to detail, sincere, trustworthy, kind-hearted, selfless, loves animals. If you know anything about my wife, you know that's true. Fun to be around, flexible, and sensitive to to the Holy Spirit. I call her my AWOG. Okay, AWOG, awesome woman of God. All right? She's not not my A-frog. She's my AWOG, okay? She's my awesome woman of God. So I made a list of just her, some of her best qualities, all right? And she made a list of some of mine. Go ahead, babe. Can you hear me? Yes, there we go. Um, I really had to do this for myself because I knew that I needed to see him the way that God sees him. You know, just exactly what he said about valuing. And I needed God to paint that picture in my heart so that I could appreciate him and value him. So this is what I wrote. I said, Glenn is strong physically and spiritually. He is my refuge, a man of character, Mm -hmm. full of wisdom, compassionate, always sees the best in everyone. It takes me a while. (laughs) He gets there first. Optimistic, visionary, leader, provider, Likes to have fun, adventurer, lets me dream, tender-hearted. Let me get to my other ones here. A man of steel, yes. (laughs) Solid and trustworthy. (laughs) Now you know. Uh, And so, once again, I'd encourage you to do that for each other. Because it's so easy to find fault, like I said, right? Um, Romans, Romans 12.9 says this. It's not in your notes, I don't think, but you can add that. Your love, is it? Okay. Your love must be real and sincere. Hate what is evil and hold on to what is good. Did you hear me? You have to hold on to it. Life might get shaky. Life might get confusing. Life might get difficult. But hold on to that which is good. Amen? And third, just simply appreciate your mates, your mate by praising them in public. Praise them. Don't put them down. Don't put your spouse down in front of others just to get a good laugh. That hurt will get, begin to build, and it's only a matter of time before it explodes. Praise them in public. Amen? 
praise them in public. First Peter says, husbands, in the same way, be considerate of your wives. Um, and treat them with what? Respect as the weaker partner and as heirs of your grace, the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Notice, guys, the way you treat your wife has, things, has something to do with your prayer life. Did you know that? So that nothing will hinder your prayers. The way I treat my wife says something. I don't want anything to hinder my prayer life. Amen? Finally, all you live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic. Love as brothers. Be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil for evil or insult for insult, but with blessing, because to this you were called to do so that you might inherit a blessing. Wow. What an incredible, and we'll talk more about some of this stuff in in the weeks ahead. And last but not least, number three, the third secret, is learn the art of good communication. Learn the art of good communication. The inability to communicate properly is one of the biggest problems in marriages today. Communication is huge, huge. In fact, universally, the top three problems in marriages are, number one, communication, number two, finances, and number three, intimacy. Those are the big three in marriages, okay? And if you can focus on those three and involving God in your relationship and trusting him to help, um, chances are you will not be the norm, okay? So that's universally, all right? Whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian, those are the three bigs, three problems in marriages today. Communication, finance, and intimacy. When you don't know how to communicate effectively, you are a ticking time bomb. When you hold it in or you just let it blow, it's just a matter of time before bad things happen. Good communication demands, this is what good communication looks like, it demands that the two people give each other their time and their presence. All right? Both people give each other their time and their presence. See, often we talk about communication and we think about, you know, it's just words only. We think about the communication process, and it's just words only. And next time we get together, we'll talk more about this, but let me throw it out there so you can fill in the blanks there. A breakdown of the communication process is 38%, if you're taking notes, 38% of communication overall is tone and voice inflection. 38% is, hey, or hey, (laughs) or I'm not mad. Or, I'm not mad. (laughs) Same words. 55% of communication is facial expression, posture, gestures, and body language. Right? That's 55% of the whole communication process. And 7% of communication is words alone. So you can understand why we have the problems in our homes today. Because we're thinking, you know, communication is just words, right? But it's not. It's so much bigger than that. It's body language. It's tone of voice. Voice inflections. It's facial expressions. It's posture, gesture. All of that combined makes up, and like I said, we'll come back to that in our next point, okay, when we get back together a couple weeks. Um, It's really not the lack of communication. It's the way we communicate. This verse in Proverbs will help you immensely. Vicki and I grabbed a hold of this verse years ago and memorized it and put it into play and acted on it and lived with it. A gentle answer turns away wrath. Think about that. But a harsh word, what? Stirs up anger. Think about your responses. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. It inflames the situation. Just the way you respond, your harshness, your hardness, your facial expressions, your body language, the tone of voice, all of those things. Think of what a gentle answer looks like. Kind words, supportive body language, a tone of voice that is not inflammatory. Just simply, how many of you know sometimes it's just simply the tone of voice? 
that your spouse responds to you with that causes you to go off the rails. <laughs> right? Think about it. In other words, take the information that you have and understanding that you have and have it work for you, not against you. In other words, take this idea of the whole communication process and the breakdown and, and, and have it work for you, not against you. And I believe if you'll do that, the way we communicate, it will add to your relationship and strengthen your relationship. Or if you choose not to, it will cause hurt and conflict and destruction. Who makes the choice? Well, I think Deuteronomy tells us what that looks like. I'm going to have uh, Judah come on up here. We're about done. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. This day I call heaven and earth as a witness against you. That I've set before you what? Life. Life and what? Death. Death. What? Blessing and curse. Curses. So in other words, there's choices to be made, right? There's a choice in your marriage relationship to be made. But God says, if you want my advice, choose what? What? Choose life so that you and your children may live. And we're, we're not talking about just live, just, just not die, but live like God wants you to live. Live like God wants you to live. How many of you know that that's God's will for your life? He wants you to live like he wants you to live. He wants you to live and experience a wonderful, fruitful, life-giving marriage and family. That's God's will for your life. He wants you to experience the abundant life. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. Let's stand together. just a minute when we have our benediction the pastoral team will be on my right and left if you have a prayer need they'll be there available for you but I just want to take a minute here and just invite you to examine your heart to look in the mirror see if there's maybe something that needs to change perhaps it's your relationship with the Lord but you're not completely surrendered to him and you need to be Maybe it's your relationship with each other. Maybe you fought on the way to church. Maybe you're at odds with one another. Maybe you need to ask forgiveness. Repent. Perhaps it's the way that you've been treating each other, perhaps not valuing and respecting each other. This is the moment in the service that we just sort of bring it all in. Take responsibility for our lives. Bow our heads for just a moment. If something that I've said today challenged you and you know you need to make some adjustments and you'd like us to pray for you today, just simply slip up your hand. Acknowledge that to the Lord. God bless you all over. Thank you so much for your honesty. God bless you back there. God, you, you, you see those hands and they simply represent the fact that people want to experience change and transformation. Lord, I'm asking you by the power of your Holy Spirit to come into that situation, whatever it is. Bring your power, bring your love and compassion and your care, your healing touch. so that every single person can experience change. Lord, we surrender to you today. We surrender to your will. We surrender to your desires and your heart for our, our homes and our relationships. God, even for those who are not married and, and, and 
just are dealing with some of these issues with hurt and dysfunction in relationship. Help them apply some of these rules, some of these principles, some of these ideas, big ideas to their own personal life. So Lord, we just say, I surrender. Can you just say that to him? Surrender. Let's just worship for a couple minutes and we'll be done.
prayer this week, okay? Lord, I surrender. Whatever you come up against, whatever you're dealing with, Lord, I surrender. I surrender. Make that your prayer. To surrender to you, Lord. Make your ways my ways. Amen? All right. Let's lift our hands for the benediction, if we could, please. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you supernatural peace. Amen. God bless you. Thanks so much for being here. Have a great week. See you next time.